Welcome to the Medical Mnemonist Podcast, brought to you by Med School Coach. Each episode, take a journey into the top techniques for medical mnemonics, study skills, board exam tips, and accelerated learning in higher education. Now, here's your host, Chase DeMarco. Welcome back to the fourth installment of our MedEdge Method mini-series. You should be getting the hang of this now. Each episode builds on the previous one, so if you haven't listened to them, go back, do that first, do the assignments, and build on the skills. In this one, we're really going to focus on self-assessment and exam growth, because in higher education, in medicine, and healthcare in general, we are lifelong learners, and we need to self-assess. You're not always going to have a professor or a physician or someone telling you what to do, or even if they do, they might not be telling you the most efficient way to do it. So here are some tips for your self-assessments, and especially if you're studying for the boards, some of these are going to be very useful. Now again, I do want you to start off by really digging deep here and figuring out what it is you want. Is it a certain specialty? Is it a certain lifestyle? Is it a certain area of the country? What are your goals? And plan on how to reach those goals using the tools and techniques we've discussed in the past episodes and will in this one and future episodes as well. And a lot of these are pretty self-evident, but that doesn't mean that we normally do them. Just because it's obvious doesn't mean it is put into action in a proper way. So the first one I want to cover is the post-lecture and post-exam study session, really, I guess. And you could call it a lot of different things. Sometimes maybe a brain dump or just recalling the information. Maybe do a free writing assignment based on this. And this is just really to reassess what you gathered from that material. So let's take post-lecture. It's very common for students to maybe do a little study before the lecture, maybe a lot of study before the lecture, and then they go sit for the lecture, take notes during, and do nothing afterwards. And that's really bad for the forgetting curve. As we've discussed in many episodes, that happens within a few hours, a few days. You can forget almost everything within three days if you don't cover it again. So we do have the 11311 method discussed in past episodes. You can go back and check. And that's just a spaced recall schedule that I use. It's an arbitrary distinction, really. No particular reason to do it that way. But recall the information, at least within an hour of studying it, within one day, so the next day, within three days, within a week, within a month. And by doing this, you're getting spaced repetition several points throughout the days, weeks, and months to make sure that you're combating that forgetting curve. And it also lets you know what you actually gathered from that recent lecture. And you can do this for your post-exams and quizzes too. What topics were more difficult, which were easy? You can focus on the difficult ones and just brain dump them onto a scratch paper or a digital notepad or something afterwards so that you can go back and dig a little deeper. Become curious in the material that you don't know. And I think that's a great way to do it. If I recognize that I don't recognize this material on a quiz or an exam, then I want to make sure to do a little research on it afterwards. I want to go into my resources, textbooks, lectures. Sometimes Wikipedia is a great resource. And get some more information on that. Try to associate that topic or that concept or that tool maybe with something else that you're already familiar with. And that'll help you retain the information for a longer period of time. 
Some other post-lecture and post-exam tools you can use too, depending on what your social company is that you usually keep, is maybe a study session or just discussing the topics with a friend. It's very common for students to discuss after a quiz some of the confusing parts that they ran across or just assessing if other students found this confusing or if they knew an answer to a particular question, but not really going much further than that. So take the time to really discuss it with each other and elaborate on the material, on the topic, gain a deeper understanding of it. And another one is really to assess your mental state. You know, in the last episode, we covered some of the environmental distractions and stressors and the mental ones, and then some tools that you can implement for more effective studying. But a lot of times we don't really pay attention to how we were feeling during this assignment or during this quiz or presentation. What were you thinking about? Were you focused on the material? Were your thoughts going elsewhere? What were you doing? Were you fidgeting a lot? Were you sitting quietly, stoic, and focused? So paying attention to these different personal, mental, and physical attributes can really enlighten some ways to combat or become more effectively next time. And also, were you gaining anxiety? Were you becoming anxious because you didn't know this topic, because you were running out of time, maybe? Or maybe some other reason. Maybe there was a loud noise outside. There was construction going on, distracting you from really focusing on your quiz material or your assignment material. Knowing how your body and physiology and mental state change during these periods of time is a great way to really focus on different tools to use later on. And also noticing if you're being active afterwards or if you're avoiding afterwards. So if you just set the quiz down, you walk away, and you go binge watch TV with a pint of ice cream in your hand, you might be avoiding the stress that that exam caused. Now, if you exited the exam or finished the assignment or the presentation, you're like, oh yeah, I got this, no problem. Well, that's great. So you probably have a little less to work on, assuming you actually did well on that material, on that assignment. But there are always ways that we can improve a little bit right after while the material's still fresh so that we don't forget it, so that we don't lose that awareness of maybe a knowledge gap or maybe a physical stressor that was occurring. Now, those are pretty intuitive. If we learn after learning, if we write down or speak about the topics from a past lecture or exam right afterwards, it's probably going to be helpful. And if we're more aware of our current mental and physical and anxiety states and implement tools to maybe decrease that anxiety or to increase our awareness of them, those are going to be beneficial. But what are some actual tools that you can implement for better self-assessment and for exam growth? Well, one that we covered a little bit in Read This Before Medical School is the production effect. And this basically states that in some research, it shows that you can learn more effectively by speaking aloud. So if you're taking an assignment, a topic, a concept, and keeping it internal, you might be thinking about it, thinking about it to yourself, hearing that inner monologue, but you might not be receiving as great of a benefit as if you were to discuss it with someone else. And it's going to depend on the type of material and who you're talking to. And a couple of theories behind this could be 
that speaking actually engages different neurons in your brain than just thinking about it. So it could connect more neurons together, potentially, those that wire together, fire together. And also that you are sort of putting yourself out there. If you're talking about your potential weaknesses and mistakes, there's a little higher anxiety, social anxiety that can go along with that, where you might be afraid of saying something wrong and being ridiculed. So having a study partner or someone you trust afterwards to discuss these topics with can prove very useful in making you more comfortable about accepting your limitations and your current weak spots and noticing them as well once they ask a question maybe about something you were discussing and you weren't able to answer it. You weren't able to elaborate on that topic in a more detailed manner. Then you know that that's something to study a little bit more. So I guess though it might be a kind of charged term in certain circles, creating this safe space to really delve into your weaknesses is very beneficial. It's going to really help you progress to the next level as opposed to maybe being afraid to discuss these things for fear of ridicule. Another one that we've covered many, many times, but it's just such a great practice and sometimes not the most intuitive to implement. So repeating it to you guys hopefully will increase the chances that you utilize this or to even improve on your current utilization of it is deliberate practice. Now we have a couple full episodes on this topic in the past if you want extreme detail and implementation of it, but it's basically setting your goals, making sure that you put the right amount of effort, you're not doing just passive learning, being lazy about it, really focusing on these weaknesses, which we just discussed, might be enlightened by having conversations with others and seeing where you're having these knowledge gaps or just improper ways of thinking about a particular topic, especially in physiology or something complicated like that. Getting out of your comfort zone can also really help you grow. We want to have a growth mindset. We don't want to think that we're stuck here. This is our mental limitation because that's not true. There's always some way out and it might be a little more difficult for person A than person B, but getting out of your comfort zone, trying new things, trying to push yourself a little bit is the only way you're going to maximize your abilities. And then of course, finding a mentor. When you are stuck on something, find someone that's more knowledgeable than you more experienced than you, and ask them how to think about it. Ask them to correct your thinking. If you can do this for free with a peer or a school resource, great. If not, there are mentorship and tutoring services out there that you might want to explore. You can start off with some free topics as well, such as blogs and podcasts. But in the end, only you can decide if you need more help. And even if it costs more money to do so, if it's going to get you to the next stage, it might be worth doing this. And also, if they will let you record or monitor the sessions with your mentor, that could be great too. You can go back and listen to it later on in case you forgot this bit of advice or how they described that. So do discuss that with a potential mentor ahead of time. We also want to focus a little more on emotional intelligence, and this is something that keeps getting overlooked, so I want to bring it up again. We have seen multiple times that even though IQ is useful to some degree, the limitations it has on describing how successful someone's going to be in the long term is a problem. And especially when you're dealing with all medical students, for instance, you're dealing with a lot of high IQ individuals, usually. 
the only way you're going to distinguish yourself in residency training, in your academic careers, and with your patients is having higher emotional quotient, EQ, or emotional intelligence, EI. Same thing, different acronym. So develop this to connect with others better, and it develops your resilience as well. So you can look up resilience training, you can look up different books and podcasts on emotional intelligence, and start to implement these tools and techniques in your day-to-day life. Luckily, we are starting to get away from the standardized exams in medicine a little bit more, at least having one of them go pass-fail now, and the CS currently is still on the chopping block or has been during the pandemic. So we need to have better communication skills, better emotional skills, and emotional support to make sure that we can make it through the rough times ahead. Do train your endurance often overlooked when students are studying for the boards, or they've already developed it, so it's something that they have trouble discussing with others that don't have it as developed. And we discussed this a lot in the past with the growth equation, which is stress plus rest equals growth. And that really means kind of coming back to some of the things we already discussed, getting out of your comfort zone, pushing yourself to new limits. And when you stress your body in a physical sense or your mind in this kind of sense, You do need to rest. You need it to recuperate and heal and grow. So make sure to add both of these in your study skills. But there are a lot of different ways that you can increase your endurance. This can be done from longer periods of time to study. So if you are used to sitting for maybe 45 minutes, try for an hour, hour 15, hour and a half. Build that up slowly and surely. This isn't something you're going to develop overnight necessarily. If you haven't really developed it in the past, you can't jump from a half hour to two hours and expect to be 100% focused and gaining the most out of the material and your time if you just jump like that. I like to make the comparison of you've been sitting on the couch for the past week straight and now you want to go jog a marathon. Just not really going to happen. So train your endurance. Train it with longer periods of time. Train it with being uncomfortable. Train it with distractions. For for the most part, we do say eliminate or limit distractions when you're doing your day-to-day study, but that's because you're still learning and growing slowly day-to-day. If now you're on more of a dedicated study route and you're doing well on your practice exams, scoring high enough, you might want to add in these extra stressors just to make sure that no stressors that might occur during the test actually influence you in a greatly, significantly negative way. All right, this is a pretty quick episode this week, but I do want to leave you with some homework real quick, and that is to try out a couple of these techniques. Specifically, if you've never used deliberate practice before, go back and listen to the more detailed episodes on it and implement this. Try it out. It might take a few turns before you start really getting the feel of it. It's multiple steps that can be implemented in many different ways, depending on the material you're studying. So play around with it. Once it becomes more intuitive, then you can build on it or you can move to another tool. Contemplate, depending on where you are in your studies, adding some endurance training to your sessions or to a skill that you're trying to develop. If you're going for a surgical residency, then you might want to put more time than you have been into suturing, into standing up, for many, many hours on end. Just find something, whether it be knowledge-based or skill-based, 
for your goals, like we discussed in the beginning of every episode, what goals do you have? Find a skill or knowledge-based assessment there and implement one of these tools to try to gain a little bit more understanding now because these skills are developable. <laughs> you can develop them over time and they will get stronger, but you need a starting point and you need to try it out to know where your starting point is. So just a quick review of the key points here. After a lecture, be active. Don't go and take a rest. Maybe brain dump. Maybe do some free writing on a notepad. Maybe discuss it with a friend. Post-exam, same thing. What were some difficult parts of the exam? What are some topics or concepts that you need to look more deeply into? Assess how you felt, how you thought, what you were doing during the exam, and what happens when you get something wrong. Does that spike your anxiety? I mean, that's normal if it does, completely fine. But how do you act based on that spike of anxiety? Do you have tools to calm back down? Or do you go and avoid that topic the next time? Try out the production effect. Just speak aloud to something, someone, doesn't really matter. But by speaking aloud and not just in your head, you have to use different parts of your brain. And you have to assess if you have knowledge gaps, if you have weaknesses that you can address right now. And as always, increase your emotional intelligence, use deliberate practice, and that is all I have for you this week. Have a great week. We'll be finishing up with the board exam tips next, and I think we might have one more episode to follow. We will see what happens. The Medical Mnemonist Podcast is powered by Med School Coach. To access Med School Coach services, including USMLE tutoring and residency admissions advising, visit our website at medschoolcoach.com. Good luck as you prepare for your board exams, and we hope you tune in again next time.